Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we've been going through Acts and... We've kind of rested here in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, these last few weeks. And we're going to look at the fifth mark of an empowered church. And and my whole purpose in going through this study of spending some time here with these verses is I want you to grasp the kind of church that God is calling us to be. If, If we're going to be a church that God's calling us to be, it's imperative that we not compare ourselves with others, what other churches are doing. And, you know, and that's fine, but I think that's missing the mark. If you're going to compare yourself as a church to anyone, compare it to what the Bible says. And what the Bible is saying here is that the church that impacted the world was marked by several distinct things that need to be evident in a church. And so we looked at it. We've looked at Number one, that they were committed to the Word of God. And that was not just the church as a whole, but the individual was committed to the Word of God. That they were a community of caring. They cared for one another. And they were there with each other. A community of devotion. That they were focused on cross-centered worship. And last week we saw that they were devoted to prayer. Praying for each other. Intercessory prayer. This week now, we're going to see one and... The next mark is, and the next mark is the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to have to be very honest with you, that's almost lost to us as a culture today. Not as a culture, but as a church today in North America. The whole concept of fearing God. Because these folks feared God. And it's almost totally missing from us. In fact, we either fall in one of two extremes. We fall into the extreme where we don't even care about it, we don't even really care whatever, it doesn't mean anything to us, like the fear of the Lord, what is that? Then you go over here to the other extreme where you have a concept of the fear of the Lord, but it's it's like God is the big ultimate cosmic heavy. He's ready to crush you. He's ready to make your life miserable. He wants you to have four flat tires on the bypass and rush hour traffic. He wants you to pick up an item at Walmart where the price tag has fallen off and it's all jammed in there, and the red light's flashing, and there's nobody coming to give you help. That's your concept of God sometimes. You're afraid of that kind of God hurting you. And that's a wrong view of God, too, and a wrong view of the fear of the Lord. And what I want us to see today as we look at this verse, we're going to look at verse 43 specifically today, and then we're going to go over to some other Old Testament passages because the Old Testament talks a lot about the fear of the Lord, particularly Proverbs. We're going to see why it is so important for you and I to live with the fear of God and why that's so important for us as a church. So I want you to notice with me verse 43. Listen to what it says. Luke is writing. He's talking about that early church. And he says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. The first thing we're going to look at here in this passage is we're going to talk about God in their midst. See, to understand a fear of the Lord, you've got to understand that God is in your midst. 
And they had a fear that came upon them because God was in their midst. And so the first thing I want you to see is, is that God's presence was evident. God's presence was evident. They knew that God was there. They saw the apostles doing the mighty works that were happening through them. And they were very much in realization, Whoa! The Holy God is in our midst. And that marked them. Now here's the sad thing. Because I thought about this all week. This is true for me as a pastor. And if it's true for me as a pastor, it's probably true for you. We enter into this place and it's just another meeting. We don't expect God to be here. We hope He shows up. You hear what I said? We come here not expecting God to be here in the midst of His people. And let me just stop for a moment. The building ain't sacred. It's the people who are sacred. When two or three are gathered in His name, I am there in their midst, He says. So it's not so much that, I, that this is holy ground and let's take our shoes off and walk around barefooted. That's not the point at all. But the point is, when you and I enter into this place... We're not expecting God to be here. We're hoping that He shows up. And that's wrong. See, with this church, they weren't, there wasn't a hope. They knew God was in their midst. God was there. And that's missing from us today. Now you say, well, man, I really enjoyed some of those songs and I really felt God was there. Well, you gotta be careful of that because that's feelings. And there's some classic rock music that I listen to that puts goosebumps on my back. God's not there. That's not what we're talking about. It's about the evident presence of God. And how? In the way that He works in people's lives. Not just in a service. They knew that God was in their lives throughout the week. Why? He met with them when they met with Him. He answered their prayers. He brought about miracles in their lives. See, God's presence was evidence in their life. Let me ask you a question. Is He evident in your life? Let's be honest. If we're honest with ourselves, we would have to say what? No. Just a normal week. Just a normal routine. Same old thing. Same old thing. Same old thing. And the sad thing is is that we have no expectation of Him being evident in our lives. We have no expectation of God being evident in our lives and working and meeting and doing. So how do you know that? Look at the way that you pray. Look at the way that you go to God. When you go to God, do you expect an answer or you hope for an answer? You know, Jesus said that if we're to come unto Him, we're to come unto Him as little children. Remember Him saying that in the Gospels? Suffer not the little children, for such is the kingdom of God, that we're to come unto him like the little children. I think often of my children, of my kids, especially, and if you think about them, when they were toddlers, and when they were younger, boy, they could believe that you could do anything, right? I mean, you could walk on water in their eyes. They thought you could do whatever. That You know, if you broke something, they broke something, daddy will fix it. They thought you were the wealthiest man alive. They had no clue you were struggling. Probably still don't know. But the reality is, they thought you could do everything because they were in awe of you. Have you noticed that? They were in awe of you. Now that changed, didn't it, when they became teenagers. But when they were young, they were in awe. 
See, that's why Jesus says we're to be like that, because we need to be in awe of him, of his presence among us. And that's why we don't have it there. Think about it for a moment. We don't have an expectation of God working in our lives, but this church did. His presence was evident among them. And listen, this is what it did. It produced a holy fear. It produced a holy fear. Look exactly what the passage says. Then fear came upon every soul. Every soul was marked by a fear of God. Every soul was marked by a reverence. Now let me just stop for a moment. When I talk about fear, we have this thing of, you know, we're thinking like horror flick, horror movie fear. Like, I'm afraid of some boogeyman grabbing, grabbing a hold of me. That's not the kind of fear we're talking about here. The kind of fear we're talking about here is a reverential awe. This is what we're talking about. It produced in that church a holy fear of God because it recognized, I'm not worthy. In fact, let me, let me explain to you what I'm talking about. If you go back in your Gospels in your mind, do you remember when Jesus began his ministry and he began to teach along the Sea of Galilee and Peter and the boys were fishing and Jesus you know, gets in the boat and tells them to step out and he tells them to cast his net over on the other side and he draws up a bunch of fish. It's the largest load he's ever had. And Peter's response as he brings in that fish is, Woo! I'm doing great. we got a lot here to sell at the market. Did he say to Jesus, Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinner. He realized that there was God in his midst and that he needed to have a fear of him. Because the one who could answer that is the one who's in control. See, it produced a fear. And let's be honest, it's missing from our lives, isn't it? And you say, George, why is it so important for us to have a holy fear of God? Because the Bible talks about it over and over and over and over again. The next thing I want you to notice as we talk about the fear of the Lord is that the fear of the Lord is missing in our lives. The fear of God is missing in our lives. It's reflected in our actions. We don't fear anything anymore. We do stuff. We sin. We do things against God. And we do it secretly and stuff. And we don't, it doesn't really matter to us that the Lord is there with us. We don't care. It's missing in our lives. And is it any wonder that we wonder where God is? And the reality of His working in our lives is not there because we don't fear Him. And He's a holy God. But here's what the Scripture tells us about the fear of the Lord. You say, okay, George, I understand it's missing. I understand that early church had it. Now why should we have it? So let's look at several different passages. First of all, Second Chronicles 19. You don't need to turn there. I'll read it to you. It's chapter 19, verse 7. King Jehoshaphat, in this passage, setting up judges, he's setting up judges to rule over Judah time. And so he gives them some instructions. So listen to what he says there. Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality nor taking of bribes. Here's what he's saying. Guys, and this is my point, it should be our motivation. The fear of the Lord should be your motivation. It should be your motivation. It should motivate you in how you live your life every day. It should motivate you with how you are with your family. It should motivate you in how you are at work. It should motivate you when you're by yourself. It should motivate you the fear of God. That's what he's saying here. Joseph is saying to these judges, 
You need to be motivated by the fear of the Lord because He's one who judges without partiality. So don't you dare judge with partiality. He's the one who isn't corrupt, so therefore you don't be corrupt. My friends, listen. How many of you here go by the name Christian? Raise your hand. I'm a Christian. Raise your hand. All right? Do you understand that that name Christian means a follower of Christ? So when you say you're a Christian... You're taking the name of Jesus. So how you live reflects on the name of Jesus. See, that should motivate you. That should motivate you. The fear of God, the holy God who is in control, should motivate the way you live your life. It should motivate you. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Not just that it should be our motivation, it gives you understanding. Now, I'm going to read through several different passages here, all of them for Proverbs. They're all pointing to the same thing, that the fear of God gives you understanding. In fact, listen to what Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord, listen to me, gives you understanding for life. You begin to fear God and you begin to understand the way He wants you to understand things. In fact, listen to these other passages and I'll tell you exactly what they're talking about. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs 10.27 says this, prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Here's what it does. Fear is a constraint towards godliness. And this is what it's saying. It gives you an understanding. And the understanding is is that if I live by fear, I prolong my days. If I don't live by fear and I do my own thing, I may shorten them. It gives me an understanding. You understand? The fear of God is not something terrible, but it's something loving. It gives you understanding, not just concerning life. Listen to another one here. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is to constrain you from dabbling in things that will destroy you. I can't do that because that might dishonor God, so you don't. The fear of the Lord constrains you, gives you an understanding that if you cross that line with God, you are opening yourself up to problems that may lead ultimately to your death. Period. And listen, death does not have to be physical death, my friends. Death can be death in your marriages. Death can be death in your relationships. Death can be take other forms other than physical death. The point is destruction. And listen, one more. Here's when it gives you understanding. Listen to this. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. This is Proverbs 15:16. The fear of the Lord, listen, it gives you understanding to be what? Content. Content with what you have. Aren't we always wanting something more? Aren't we always wanting something more? And I know what it is to be discontent. But here's the problem. Discontentment will lead you into all kinds of problems. And see, the fear of the Lord gives you understanding that it's better to be content with what you have than to seek what you want and get yourself in trouble. See, it gives you understanding. The fear of the Lord gives you understanding. Now, there's one other thing I want you to see about the fear of the Lord. Look with me. Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Here's what the fear of the Lord does. It allows you to hate evil. All of us here struggle with sin. 
That's just reality. All of us struggle with sin. It takes some sort of form. It may be an action. It may be an attitude. It may be a heart condition. But all of us here struggle with some form. And every one of you has a struggle with some form of sin. Do not deny that. Because denying it is to express your arrogance and your ignorance. The reality is, is we are sinful human beings who struggle with sin. Now, the reason why we struggle with our sin and we don't deal with our sin is because there is an absence of something in our life. And that absence is a fear of the Lord. Because when you have a fear of God, it's going to produce in you a, a hatred towards that sin that you're doing. See, the reason why you keep doing the sin that you are struggling with is because you like doing that sin. Does everybody understand me? Sin is not... Does everybody understand sin feels good? Sin accomplishes what it's supposed to accomplish, a momentary satisfaction. It's only a momentary satisfaction. But here's the problem with that momentary satisfaction. It creates a greater dissatisfaction as well. So that's why you keep going back for it hoping that it will satisfy it. But it doesn't. See, that's what, that's what addictions are called, isn't it? You're hoping that that addiction is going to feed that, but it only creates a bigger hole. And what happens is, is when you don't have a fear of God, you don't hate what you're doing, you're going to keep doing it. And when you and I have a fear of the Lord, it's going to help us to hate evil. Because let me explain something to you. When you sin, you're doing evil. So everybody understand me? When you sin, you're doing evil. And so we're missing a fear of God in our lives. And I understand how it happens. Well, let me ask you a question. Can you see God? Can you? No. You can go throughout your day not even being aware that He's there, even though He is there. In fact, let me just remind you of something. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, He lives within you in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's there. But we just kind of get used to Him. Have you noticed that? We just kind of get used to His presence in our life. And it doesn't really matter to us. And so therefore we just keep on doing it because the constraint doesn't seem real. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, the constraint isn't real. I mean, think about it. If your mama was there, you wouldn't do it. Have you noticed that with your kids? I've noticed that with my kids. If mom and dad are around, they're okay. But boy, you remove our presence from the room, all of it breaks loose. Until we walk back in. Then they get controlled again. See, here's the thing. You know, somehow we have removed that concept of God from our lives that He is there with us every day. And when you have a fear of the Lord, you begin to hate evil. You begin to hate sin. It begins to wear on you. So there's something else I want you to see here. And this is probably the one thing that probably you're not thinking about. Here's what it does. Look with me. Proverbs 14.26 says this, In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and His children will have a place of refuge. Here's what I want you to see. The fear of the Lord, it provides confidence. You say, how does it do that? I want you to picture for a moment the fear of the Lord like this. I want you to picture it as a boundary for your life. And you can operate within that boundary knowing that God is there with you. But when you step out of that boundary, you're on your own. How many of you like to be on your own? I don't like to be on my own. 
I tell you, the most insecure feelings that I have in my life are when I'm on my own. But when I'm operating within that boundary of the fear of the Lord, it provides security to me. It gives me confidence that as long as I am living within what He is telling me to live in, and as long as I have that healthy fear of Him, I have confidence. I can do what God's calling me to do. But buddy, when I step out of it, I'm on my own. And listen, let me explain something to you. Remember I said there's two extremes? We live in that extreme where, you know, you might have a wrong view of the fear of God and you view it as Him trying to squash you. But a lot of us are really over here on this end where we have no fear of God. And I'll be honest with you, the fact that we have no fear of God is the reason why we're so insecure. It's the reason why we're so worried about whether or not He loves us or not. We're so worried about whether or not He's going to work in our lives. We're so worried about whether or not He's going to answer our prayers. It's because we don't have that fear of God, that boundary in which to live in confidence with Him. We lack confidence in our relationship with God. And the reason why is because we don't have a fear of Him. We don't have a fear of Him. You might be sitting there and you're saying, okay, I need to have a fear of Him. How do I do that? I think you go back to the cross. This is not in your notes, because I realized just as I was sharing this, I'm telling you what it is, why we need it. And it could be that you're here and you're saying, yeah, I need that fear in my life, George. I need that fear in my life. How do I get that fear in my life? And it just occurred to me that what I need to share with you is how to get that fear of God in your life. And I'm going to tell you how you get it as you go back to the cross. You say, the cross? Why go back to the cross? Because of what the cross means. Because of what the cross accomplished. Because of what the cross did in our lives. See, here's the understanding. You've got to understand that if there was no cross, you and I need to be afraid. Because without the cross of Jesus Christ, we would be headed to a godless eternity in hell, facing the wrath of God for our sins. We've got to go back to the cross. And see, what the cross does is that you realize that in and of myself, by myself, I deserve to die. But out of His grace and His love, He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for me, that I might have eternal life. And that out of His grace, He reached out to me. He brought that person by who shared the gospel with me. He gave me the understanding to reach out and grasp it, to open my eyes that had been blinded by the devil to the truth of it and allow me to see it so that I can accomplish it for myself by faith. It should give you a fear that the great God of the universe who at one time was angry with you out of His great love for you gave you His Son. You should allow that cross to set that boundary of fear. Again, let me just stop for a moment. I'm not talking fear in the sense of ah! I'm talking awe. Talk in reverence for the Holy Creator God who saved you. See, how do you get it back? You go back to the cross. You see, my friends, I, the reason why I think we've lost the fear of the Lord is because we've lost the reverence for the cross. We've lost our complete understanding of salvation. We've lost the complete grasping that you and I don't deserve Him, that I'm saved not because of myself, what I've done, what I haven't done, but because purely because of Jesus. You see my point? Are you grasping it? Say, yeah, I'm grasping it, George. It's the cross. You and I have got to go back to the cross. That's where the fear of the Lord begins. That's where the fear of the Lord begins. 
is recognizing His awesome holiness and His love for you in spite of you. In spite of you. In spite of you. Isn't that awesome? You say, okay, Jordan, now what do I do with this? You've got to ask yourself a question. First of all, is the fear of the Lord missing from your life? Again, think of it as that restraining factor in your life. That boundary. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I, can't, I was listening the other day. I was thinking about Paul when he talks about being prepared. In, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about being living in light of the terror that is to come. He describes Jesus coming as a terror. Did you realize that? In, in Corinthians, he describes Jesus coming as a terror. He's writing to Christians. He's describing Jesus as a terror to Christians. That's because it's not so much that he's terrifying in the sense that he's scary, but in the sense of his holiness and his awesomeness and his awe that you are terrified at the fact. I mean, Brad read it from Revelation. When John, the revelator, who he describes as the one whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved, sees them, he doesn't give them a high five and says, Yo, I'm here with you, Jesus. He falls on his face as dead because of who he's in front of. He has a fear of him. See, here's what we've done. We've reduced Jesus down so much to a buddy. How many of you are scared of your buddies? I'm not. That's why they're my buddy. But you know what? We've got to move Jesus more than just our buddy. He's a holy God creator who judges and chastises. He does chastise, doesn't he? He does it. So let me ask you a question. Is the fear of the Lord missing in your life? And here's how you answer it. You look at how you live your life. Is there a restraining factor in how you live your life? Oh no, I can't do that because that's going to bring dishonor to the Lord. That's going to affect my relationship with Him. I'm not going to do that. Is there a restraining factor in your life? Are, is the fear of the Lord missing? And my friends, if it is, you need to go back to the cross. If it is, you need to go back to the cross. See, this is the problem. Can I be honest with you? I know it's missing. Why? Because statistics state very clearly that the only difference between saved people and unsaved people is one thing, church attendance. We are just as likely to steal from our boss, cheat on our taxes, commit adultery, watch stuff we shouldn't watch, as people who don't claim the name of Jesus, except for one factor. From 10 to 11, we're in church. That's reality. I'm going to tell you right now, that tells me right there there's no fear of God. No fear of God in the church anymore. So is the fear of the Lord missing from your life? Then the next thing I want you to see is this. Can you see God's vision for the church? You say, now wait a minute. Hold on. We're talking about the fear of the Lord. What in the world has that got to do with God's vision for the church? Here's what it's got to do. Listen to me. If all of us had a healthy fear of God and we had confidence within those parameters, it will change our church. It will change our church. Because when we come to church, we come with an expectation that His presence will be there. That we expect Him to be. We're not hoping that He'll be there. We know He'll be there. Because we know He's a part of our life, day in and day out. See, it's going to affect you. And can you see His vision? It's, what is His vision for you, the church? Thank you for being with us this morning. We trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. Before we leave you today, George would like to share some special news about an upcoming event. Friends, we want to thank you for being a regular listener to the Heart Zone program. 
At Kerwinsville Christian Church, we are encouraging our folks to become men and women of God's Word. In an effort to help them achieve this, we have provided them with a Bible reading guide. We would like to provide that Bible reading guide to our listeners. If you would like a guide, simply write or call us to request one. There is no charge. The guides are free. Simply contact us at Kerwinsville Christian Church, 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania, 16833. Or you can call us at 814-236-1622. We want you to become a man or woman of God's Word. So contact us and request a free guide. Once again, thanks for being a faithful listener. And may God bless you and all that you face this coming week.